Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this beautiful Colorado weekend, and we are headed for a stretch of drier weather. It'll be a little warmer, but it's going to be so beautiful to be outside. Um, You want to make sure you take advantage of it. We're going to talk some fishing today, both conventional and fly fishing. We're going to get reports on the Northeast Lakes. We're going to get some reports on the Poudre River uh, from St. Pete's Fly Shop. The Poudre is actually fishing much better than any of us anticipated with these burn scars. They'll also update us on some of the closures up on uh, Highway 14, what's open and what's not. We're going to talk later on in the show, too, a little bit about hunting, hunting supplies, and maybe if you should be buying stuff early, can you find ammo? Can you find broadheads? We're going to cover a lot of that. And finally, follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We're going to be putting up a lot of information as we get up-to-date reports. We put podcasts from this show up there. We put videos, uh, links to our videos as we add them to our YouTube channel there. And I think we're probably getting close to where we're going to start looking at another session of trivia where the answers end up on the Facebook page. So if you want to stay involved in this show, follow us on Facebook at uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Let's go to the phones and joining us. Uh, he's a guide. He's been involved in the fishing industry for years, started within fishermen at Camp Fish. You hear him here all the time. That's uh, Brad Peterson from Brad Peterson Outdoors. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. It's a beautiful day. Uh, fishing's been different this year, hasn't it? You know, it sure has. We, uh, we The weather, as everyone probably knows, has been a little weird. We had a, a late uh spring and and kind of the water temperature stayed cool a lot later than normal and then all of a sudden we jumped up to that uh 100 degree heat that we had and then that that little stretch of kind of cooler weather with some rain and now i'd say we we're finally getting into a more seasonal pattern i think so and one of the things you know a lot of people a lot of things change as we get into this summer seasonal pattern that'll probably take us pretty fairly into the end of august and some people hesitate to fish. They they call it the dog days of summer. Um, I have always enjoyed this period because even though you may have to change your tactics, you may have to do something different, once you figure it out, it's usually stable for a while where you can approach things the same way for a few weeks. You're not going through constant change. You know, One blessing we've had here on the front range is at least that we've, have, we've gotten pretty good water. Our reservoirs are in pretty good shape. The rivers and reservoirs on the west slope, as we're going to talk about later in the show, aren't doing nearly as well. But what are you seeing out there, Brad? Yeah, Terry, that's exactly right. That uh, Our reservoirs are probably in a lot better shape than I really expected. That rain we had in, you know, the middle of June there allowed the lakes to top back off again. So we're looking really good for water level above normal. But as you mentioned in the intro there, that warmer and drier conditions coming is going to cause those reservoirs, particularly when you start talking in the northeast. I mean, from that Longmont area out to Nebraska, 
those lakes are all irrigation lakes. So as soon as it gets hot and dry, those farmers are going to start needing that water. And so we're going to start seeing them drop a lot quicker. And that's going to change the fishing up a little. But as you said, once those lakes start dropping and it stays kind of consistent in the dropping, consistent weather, once you find the pattern, you're able to stay on them for the next two months. So it's, it's worth the effort trying to figure it out. No, it really is. Anywhere in particular you've either been or heard that the bite is pretty good? You know, out in the the northeast part of the state, Jackson, the wipers have been pretty good. It's been really consistent over the last two, three weeks. Um, They haven't got up to start boiling, but they are shallow in the water column. So the most effective pattern I've found is running planer boards and shallow running shad style crankbaits you know and keep it in that top five feet of the water column and you're going to do good it is a bit light sensitive the bite and that it's going good until about 10 30 or 11 and then the bite kind of tails off for a bit middle of the day and picks back up in the afternoon um last week there was a tournament out at sterling and the people got on some fish. It took a little while to figure it out, and you had to be patient because the fish were in the locations, but you, uh, most of the big weights were caught casting jigs in either um, like a night crawler or a plastic and just really picking a spot apart. So once you get out there and start fishing and catch a few fish, really spend some time on those spots because there's quite a few fish concentrated in areas. And then I'm hearing, you know, closer to the front range, um, Union's actually fishing pretty good, and so is Horsetooth if you're wanting to look for some smallmouth bass. What about Boyd? What do you see in there? You know, Boyd has had a major hatch of shad this year, and so it's making it a little more challenging. They have recently stocked a lot of those areas, the lakes in the Longmont area, with some smaller trout that people are catching. But um, the bass fishing, if you're going out for bass, it's not going to be a lot of bites, but the fish you're going to get are going to be pretty good quality. Look for shoreline-associated cover that's on the deeper edge of it. As that water drops, those fish pull out to the edges, so flooded brush, Uh, the docks that are on the deeper water, the deeper weed edges, and using something that's moving pretty slow, you know, a Ned rig or uh, a jig and craw, something like that seems to be producing most of the fish, and that's a similar pattern to what's going on at Lawn Hagler. Now, if, if people do want to travel, there is a good walleye bite going on up at Glendo, and I know you fish that, uh, summer bite up there several times terry yeah we've actually done a couple television shows up there it used to be funny i remember 20 some years ago people would you know glendo would fill up in the trees and you'd catch those bigger walleyes casting right up in the trees and then as the water dropped and the bait were still in there you'd catch them right on the first drop off either with jigs or bottom bouncers or maybe trolling over the deep weed edge then it got to be july and those fish would school up and they'd be out over 50, 60 feet of water, but five feet deep. I mean, what your partner, um, Charlie Black, actually ran the camera boat 
for one of those shows where Gary Darling and I just virtually harvested fish. Well, we actually didn't keep any, but you couldn't keep the fish off the lines. And I think it made a believer out of Charlie when it came to planer boards. And we used planer boards to get away from the boat, but we were just a few feet behind the planer boards because if we got much deeper with our lures than about five, six feet, we weren't catching fish. But, boy, once we dialed it in, it was phenomenal. Yeah, and, and that trolling bite is still going on right now. Um, the lake is is still, like a lot of our lakes here in Colorado, fairly high, so there is water up in um, muddy and airport bays. So those areas, you can get in there and troll with planer boards above the weeds or the, the flooded brush. And then as it's dropping, those, a lot of the fish are starting to pull out. So if you want to go up and jig fish, the points kind of at the mouth of those bays or down near the dam are holding fish, and you're starting to see that suspended bite out in the middle like you're talking about. So you really have, you know, several ways to go catch numbers of fish with a chance at a real quality fish up there at Glendale right now. Yeah, it's a great fishery, and I it, I think it'll probably maintain. Uh, I, I You know, one of the bites up there that I haven't fished a lot, and that's when it gets towards fall, I've ice fished it, but I haven't really gone after the fall spoon bite much. Have you done that as we get, you know, that's something we're talking about how this pattern is going to hold now for probably till the end of August, but we're still going to, once we get to that end of August, that phenomenal spoon bite starts around here. Do you see that up at Glendo too? Yeah, that bite uh, really kicks off in September. Uh, it can be a little bit earlier if the lake really drops and really pulls out of the coves, but I think this year you're talking you know, that first week of September, that spoon jig and wrap bite is going to be there for numbers of fish. And then they kind of school up by size so you can find some, you know, there's a chance you can get into schools of some bigger fish, you know, those mid-20-inch fish. And uh, it's fantastic. And this year I'm going to start uh, guiding up there this fall for that spooning bite. I think it's it's one of the best fall bites we have in this northern front range region or up into wyoming so um, if people are looking for a good opportunity to do that the crowds have kind of gone away you know you have availability for camping so it's a great time to be up there on that water well i think we're going to talk more about the spoon and the jigging wrap glide bait type uh, bite as we get towards the end of august Um, But it is a phenomenal bite. A good friend of yours and both of ours, Tom Bruno, and I actually wrote that section for the um, In Fisherman uh, Critical Concept books for walleyes. And we actually used Pueblo Reservoir as our base to to do the photographs and do a lot of what we did on that. But if it takes off, we'll talk more about that later. But right now, it looks like there's some fishing to be caught. People need to get out there. I want to change things up just for a minute or two with you. Um, I'm hearing that the pothole prairie area up in Canada was really dry this year. I know you're an avid waterfall hunter and guide. You keep track of things. I'm hearing that might be affecting the duck population this year. What are you hearing? Well, that's what I'm hearing as well. And the issue is because of the closure of the border, the Fish and Wildlife Service in Canada didn't do their normal waterfowl counts. So we're kind of trying to piece the data together from different things rather than the standard stuff we we would get on most years. But the Dakotas in some areas are 60 to 80% drier 
as far as they have that many fewer wetlands. And Montana is dry as well. Canada, you know, has not been getting the moisture. So we could be seeing a reduction in our fall migration on certain species in particular. You know, mallards have been down a little bit. Pintails are saying they're really down. Uh, Widgeons are down. But yet, blue-winged teal and gadwall numbers are up. So I, I would recommend as a hunter kind of to pay attention to that because the, the blue-winged teal and gadwalls are more early migrators, and the mallards are more of your late migrators. So you may see that some of our better hunting is going to come early in the season as far as the migration numbers than late. So by paying attention to that right now, you can plan out a little bit of your hunting season and maybe get some better success on a year where the duck numbers may be down a little bit. Last question, then I have to let you go. As a waterfall hunter, have you been out looking for ammunition, thinking it may be hard to get when we get to the season, and what have you found? Um, yeah, I've I've been looking for ammunition for the last about year, and uh, when I find the loads that uh, I u- am used to shooting, I'm picking up several boxes just to make sure that I've got enough. It seems like the steel shot and the non-toxic shot is being manufactured, but it's coming in, you know, to different retailers at different times. So you, um, I've got a network of buddies that I hunt with, and we just kind of are in and out of sporting goods stores throughout the front range. And what you'll get is you'll get one guy calling someone else saying, hey, you know what, they've got uh, number two shot in at this location. And so they'll either pick up some or, or you'll go, grab some so you really need to kind of be keeping your eyes open even maybe when you're in the stores that uh sell maybe you're in there looking for fishing gear or you're in one of the stores that sells ammunition and sporting good stuff and you're in there looking for uh, a baseball bat for one of your kids take some time and just walk by the hunting department and see what the ammunition looks like and if there's something that you like to shoot pick up you know, five or six extra boxes from what you normally would have. And then that way you aren't going to have the concern when the, you get later in the season if these shortages continue. We got to run, Brad, but if people want to book a trip with you, how do they find you? You can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or give me a call at 303-829-3998. All right. Thank you, my friend. You and I will get on the water together very soon. Sounds good. You bet. Brad Peterson, Brad Peterson Outdoors. By the way, that Glendo trolling bite we were talking about, if you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, there's at least two videos of uh, us doing that trolling bite at Glendo. We're going to take a time out, then we're going to take you over on the west side of the mountains to the Rifle Gap area on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Locations up and down the front range, and they can handle all your outdoor sporting goods needs. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from the Rifle Gap rifle area is Matt Schuler and Katie Lennis. Good morning, guys, gals. Morning, Terry. How are you doing? Doing great. How's the weather over at the rifle area today? Oh, it's supposed to be sunny and about 95 degrees. Yeah, you get a little warm there, but boy, it's a it's a unique area. You have the 
mountains right there by you. You've got great topography. Unfortunately, this year, uh, Matt, unlike the Front Range of Colorado, you guys have struggled a little bit with the water. What's happening over in the, the reservoirs there right now? Yeah, so unfortunately, a lot of the lakes out in the western area are, are low. Ridgeway is pretty high right now. It's kind of the exception. But we have Rifle Gap, we're down about 30 feet, uh, which is the lowest I've seen it for July. We have one um, boat dock left. We're going to be probably pulling that in a week or, or less. So, And then the ramp will be out of the water in a couple of weeks after that. So, yeah, we're, the water level's pretty low for July, but the fishing has been pretty good for July. Why don't you tell people where the um, reservoirs are located and just describe them briefly? Sure. So we manage um, Rifle Gap, which when it's full is about 365 acres, and then Harvey Gap, which is about 150 acres when it's full. Um, we're located not too far from um, I-70, uh, just north of the town of Rifle. So an I-70 mile marker 90 is, is the exit. So we're just about five, six miles north of Rifle. So that's that's where we're located. Um, they're both warm water fisheries. We have, um, there's walleye and uh, bass and um, a couple different species of trout and crappie um, all in the reservoirs. And we have some catfish over at um, Harvey. Yeah, and it's actually really good fishing for warm water species, both summer and winter. And I believe that, I mean, I, I we've seen this, people just getting out in paddle craft lately. Even though your boat ramp's probably only going to make a couple more weeks, what a great time that would be to come over with kayaks and fish the lakes. Yeah, Harvey Reservoir has a 20-horsepower limit, so uh, paddle sports um, have, like everywhere, have really increased over the last couple of years. And we do see a lot of people that are fishing off of, um, if, if it's small and you, you can paddle it, um, they, they're on it fishing. So, yeah, a lot of people are out there fishing that way now. We're, we're getting a lot of people introduced to fishing. Real quick, you've got a new facility, but before we get there, do you have camping facilities there? Yeah, we have uh, about 90 sites at Rifle Gap, and then we also manage um, Rifle Falls, and we've got 20 sites up there. Harvey doesn't have any camping. All right. Now, you have a new resource, and you've hired somebody to really help with it, and that's a new nature center in the town of Rifle. Tell us about that. Sure. Yeah, it's called Rifle Gap Outdoors. We're in our, our second year. Our first year was a little bit slow to start just because of all of our COVID restrictions. But um, we partnered with the Middle Colorado River Watershed Council. We, we've heard that they were opening a center at the Lions Pond area in Rifle. And we thought that this would be a good opportunity for us to kind of uh, create a satellite location of Rifle Gap. Instead of just uh, working exclusively out of the state parks, we, it was a way for us to get into the community and have a little more outreach with our with our community members. So we um, asked them if we could work in their building and provide environmental and uh, recreation-based programming out of out of their building, and they're super excited about that partnership. So we've been working out of their building, and there's a small museum um, in, in that area, and there's the Middle Colorado River watershed kind of focuses on the health of the watershed of the Colorado River. So we helped them educate people with that as well. 
And our, our mission is just to kind of make the natural world and all its recreation opportunities a little more accessible to the people of the Grand Valley area. And with a goal of kind of creating some future stewardships and conservation of Colorado public lands. So we do that through a bunch of different types of programming, like fishing clinics, um, wilderness survival, tracking, birding, um, kayaking programs. We've done orienteering um, with the amount of people that are new to camping, we're, we're doing camping programs and teaching people how to how to camp and how to leave no trace, things like that. Uh, Katie, you are you're actually one of the you're the person that does a lot of the teaching of these classes. Is that right? Yes, I do all of them. And when you get these classes, do you keep the classes? Are they limited to people in the area at the recreation center? Can people from around the state sign up and come by, say they're camping at Rifle Gap or they're staying in the area? Can they come to these classes? Yeah, anyone can come to the classes. We have our posters up up here for anyone who wants to come down and see us. And because we're right at the rifle rest area, we have a lot of people passing through just trying to stretch their legs. And I'll snag them and teach them about whatever they want to learn or just go look at Ospreys or just learn anything um, related to the programs I was going to do that day. So it's it's everybody. And you don't even have to sign up unless it's a limited class. So if we're putting something together or building something and we have limited materials, you do have to sign up. But other than that, you can just arrive and I can accommodate almost any size of group. So you'll take even just a couple people if they're in there, but you'll take maybe if somebody wants to bring a like a Cub Scout pack or something like that. Yeah, I have uh, after school class or clubs, uh, sorry, after school camps I work with and clubs, scouts, anybody. I even go to the farmers market every week. Um, we're just doing a lot of outreach with everybody. What are some of your favorite classes to teach there? I haven't done it yet, but I'm really excited for an escape room we're going to put on next weekend. So it's going to be a lot of nature and Colorado clues to solve some puzzles and win prizes. Sounds like a really great time. And, you know, at this time, we've got so many people have turned to the outdoors since COVID. And even though COVID seems to be getting better and people are getting, there's more youth sports again and there's they're going to movies again and they are traveling more, um, we're still seeing a huge interest in the outdoors is that been reflected in the in the uh, the nature center that you're seeing that interest from people? Yeah. So even with our COVID restrictions and the lower numbers, uh, we've done over 100 programs so far. Over 2,000 people have come to our programs. Um, people are excited about it. You put Colorado Parks and Wildlife's name on something, people are instantly um, they have instant recognition, and they're interested in what we're doing. So yeah, a lot of people have been coming out to the to the program and ex and expressing interest in it. So it, it's taken off pretty well. Well, I know you do programs and teaching people how to be outdoors. You know, we have a lot of people that are they're either new to the outdoors or they're getting back to it after years and having things like fishing clinics and camping. And, and then I think one of the things I'm sure you spend time on is teaching people the etiquette of the outdoors, too. That's so important, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. With with all the new people coming up to the mountains and camping for the first time, a lot of people just are are kind of confused about how to do everything properly. So we're trying to really focus on leave no trace ethics. We're doing um, leave no trace programming, and we and with each program we try to talk a little bit about leave no trace. So yeah, we're we're really trying to kind of develop some stewardships. That's that's one of our our main goals. All right. Well, we are out of time, but where if people want more information, is it on the website? 
Oh uh, yeah, if you just Google Rifle Gap Outdoors, there's uh, we have a Facebook, we have we're on Google Maps, we're all over the place, so um, you can find us pretty easily. Sounds awesome. Great program, guys. Great. We love getting people outdoors. Thanks for joining us, and hopefully people will get over and take advantage of that great warm water fishing you have over there, too. Katie and Matt, thank you so much. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate you having us on. You bet. That's over at Rifle Gap. Go over and take advantage. Just go on a trip, you know. Uh, you got a couple weeks to get a boat in, but even if you don't get a boat in right now, fishing from shore, there's tiger muskies, there's pike, there's bass, there's walleyes, there's perch there, plus there's trout at times. Beautiful area. You'll just enjoy the heck out of it. Terry Works from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. 65 years of serving the Colorado outdoor public based right here on the front range of Colorado. Just stop in and check them out. Let's go to the phones and joining us, one of our favorite contributors from Colorado Parks and Wildlife from Bar Lake, Michelle Siebert. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing well, and you've got some events coming up. You always have events coming up. You always are doing things at that park. It's so exciting to always talk to you. But before we even get to that, the big question every time once we get in summer in Colorado is, what's the water level? You know, we're we're holding pretty good for this time of year. Our water levels are good. Um, What's great about, you know, when the water levels start to go down is that there's more shoreline. So there's more access for our shore anglers. So, you know, it's looking pretty good, um, a lot better than last year. And your boat ramp is still open. Our boat ramp is still open. And, of course, that's uh, 10 horsepower or less. And I understand, you know, that there's still a few fish in that lake. You know, there is. You know, I've seen a lot of walleye and wiper come out lately. Um, we had the angling for officers group out and one of the officers um, caught a 29.5 walleye, um, 29.5 inches walleye. So there's some big fish out there. Oh, that that's a monster fish. It's a good lake. It grows, you know, it's a lot bigger than what people think. It's bigger, I think bigger than Cherry Creek or Chatfield, actually. Of course, half of it is reserved for the, the bird watching, which is always a huge draw out there. But you have some other activities coming up. Let's talk about those a little bit. And I think one of them you wanted to talk about were some shotgun clinics? Yes. Yeah, so we are working with South Metro Pheasants Forever, and we have two shotgun clinics, one on August 22nd and one on August 28th. You can find information on our website and our Facebook to sign up. But what's really great is they bring all the instructors, they bring the shotguns and the ammo, and they teach you gun safety and shooting, and it's a great opportunity to do it right here at Bar Lake. We do it back behind the dam. Um, Bar Lake is unique where, you know, the southern end is a wildlife refuge, and the northern part we have different recreation, and we're able to have um, clinics like this. Well, and uh, Chuck, and there's so many people wanting to get out and start doing some hunting, and a lot of times the shotgun sports, which we've got dove season coming up, we have pheasants. I know you're heavily involved with pheasants forever. We have our waterfall seasons. In fact, some of those you can even hunt right there at, um, Bar Lake, is that right? Yes. Yeah, so we have dove um, that you can do the month of September on Sunday and Mondays, and then we have waterfowl that starts the middle of October, and that's on Wednesday and Saturdays. You do have to make a reservation because we have um, blinds and stations for each, 
and um, you just you can go to the CPW website to get that number in the website and then just make a reservation. And it's great because we're just a quick trip. You know, we're 25 minutes east of Denver, so you could come out, do some hunting, and then go about your day. Now, what about the water? I want to get back to the shotgun clinics. How do you sign up by going to the website? Is there a fee? Um, there is no fee for these clinics. Um, you just have to have a parks pass, so either an annual or $9 daily parks pass, but it's all free. Um, and that's what's really great about the organizations like Pheasants Forever. They really want to get people out, teach them um, safety, and, you know, they're a conservation organization as well. So we're we're really lucky to partner with them. I understand you're actually working on some potential uh, habitat for pheasants right on the park area or north of it where there might be some hunting in the future. Yeah, so we have 123 acres behind our dam that we're working with Pheasants Forever to try um, to restore. So we want to make it the habitat better for pheasants and doves. And that's what's really great about being a part of that organization is that they're helping us with that area. And then also we have a pollinator plot by our nature center. So all those bees are really important. Um, so they're helping us with that project as well. That's another, you know, I almost forgot you have another project, another activity coming up too. You're doing a, a camp out for 100 families at the Brighton Rec Center, I believe. We are. So on August 7th, um, you can register if you go to the Brighton Recreation Center website or Facebook, and we're taking 100 families to camp out. We have tents, we have lanterns um, that we can provide people. There'll be food trucks there that night. We have a climbing wall. We have an obstacle course for bikes. It's just a great way to come out and take the family camping, and we'll provide the fun. And one last message I know you wanted to get out. You're getting a lot of paddlecraft because the lake is virtually wakeless because of the size of the outboards you can use. And you kind of wanted to remind people about safety issues on paddlecraft, didn't you? you? You know, we do. We want to remind everybody that's on paddlecraft that they need to have a life jacket, and they also need to have a whistle or a sound-producing device. And it's super important. The weather can change rapidly, um, and we just want to remind people that they really need to make sure they have all that safety equipment if you're on a paddleboard, a canoe, a kayak, or any type of boat. All right, and if people want more information on all these events, is it on the website? Yes, they can go to our main Colorado Parks and Wildlife website, go to Bar Lake, and then also like our Facebook page, and we post all our events there. All right, thank you again. You do so much to promote that park and get people outdoors. We love the things you do, Michelle. Thank you, Terry. Have a wonderful day. You too, Michelle Siebert from Bar Lake. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to talk fly fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from St. Peter's Fly Shop is Thomas Worcester. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. What a beautiful day, and we're headed for a beautiful week, it looks like, of weather. It, people just need to be out, outdoors, don't they? I agree. It's a, it's a bluebird day, and uh, fishing's picking up, and uh, I'd say if, if you aren't inside, uh, getting outdoors is what I'd recommend. Yeah. Now, when I you and I talked earlier in the week, and I think there's a perception because of the fire, and we've heard the Greeley water say that the pooter was running like coffee and that the pooter might not be fishing very good this year, but you're saying it's really the contrary. 
I'd say so. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of negative stipulation with you know the fires that we've had and all that stuff, and you know there there's definitely some lasting impacts that we will see um, burn scars and all that stuff. Um, but you know, as as far as the majority of the fishing goes, it's been absolutely lights out. Um, you know, a bunch of our guides are coming back every day and you know reporting great stuff. So it's it's really no different than any other year. And honestly, personally for me, I've I've been going out and it's been some of my best days on the water have been this year. Um, you know, it's, we're still seeing off-colored water, um, but the fish are still looking up, you know. Now, the off-colored water, has it varied depending on rain or runoff or and been better some days than others? Do you have to kind of pay attention, or, or has yeah. it been fairly consistent? Uh, it's It's been a consistent, but rain definitely does influence that. Um, one of the main things that we've been, uh, you know, kind of suggesting to folks or pointing out to folks is, um, you know, down below the South Fork, the Pooter, there's, there's a lot of sediment coming in from that. Um, so if you can get above that, that's what we'd recommend just cause there's a little less color, but even down below, it's been, you know, still, still fishing really well, despite even, you know, some very stained water some days. Now, We've got great weather coming. It's supposed to dry out now, so we're probably not going to get these afternoon storms next week as often as we have over the last week, which means we won't get that discoloration. If you were heading out this week to fish the pooter, how would you approach it? Is there a particular hatch you're expecting, or how are you going after it? Oh, yeah. We've got tons of bugs around right now, and uh, this is the time of the year that I tell folks I don't travel too far because, you know, my backyard is fishing lights out. Um, you know, what we've been seeing a lot of lately are, you know, uh, some PMDs and sallies. So, uh, you know, smaller stoneflies and smaller betas, as well as, you know, uh, one of my favorite hatches, which is uh, the green drake hatch. So we've had, uh, you know, several of those uh, working up the canyon um, towards the mid canyon and into the upper sections. But, uh, you know, just wanted to let people know that keeping in mind that there is still some fire closures up at the top of the canyon that's um, restricting access. But as of yesterday, we did, did get a call saying that in the next week they're thinking about lifting them. So um, a lot more water to be fished after that uh, happens. But, yeah, chasing chasing those green drakes is what I'd be doing. Well, green drakes tend to be a bigger fly, and with my old eyes, that really helps. Another thing that helps, I've been out a few times this year, and I've noticed the dry weather has created an abundance of hoppers. Uh, are you seeing a lot of hopper-dropper action? Yeah, midday, that's, uh, you know, where we've been pointing folks because as that sun's at its peak and it's been sweltery, um, you know, the smaller, more detailed bugs start to, you know, kind of tail off, um, you know, unless it's towards the end of the evening. But uh, mostly midday, hopper droppers have been what we're fishing, Um, you know, throwing them through, you know, up on the banks. But, you know, a lot of times in those pocket waters behind all the boulders um, in that kind of freestone-y western rivers that we really do see on the pooter, that's where we've been finding a lot of fish. Do you have a favorite dropper below your hopper? Uh, lately, uh, it's really anything jigged. Um, I really suggest if folks haven't, uh, you know, been fishing with jigged droppers for dries, um, that they consider it. It uh, sets up a lot quicker just because they sink a lot faster, and you cover a lot more water as compared to just a normal beadhead nymph. Yeah, and I love I love fishing that way and. Uh, any particular depth, do you try to judge the depth of the water for people who are new to fishing that technique, or do you have yeah. kind of a standard depth? 
Uh, you know, when it's off the banks is where, you know, we're finding a, a good amount of the fish in the early mornings. Um, you know, it's it's a little shorter, but as we get into the midday, getting into those pocket waters, you want to lengthen it up a little bit. So it's anywhere between one and a half to two feet, sometimes even three, depending on the pool. Now, you also are going after the high alpine lakes a lot. How's that doing? I would think that those are pretty well opened up. We had quite a bit of snow, unlike the western side of the state, which has really struggled uh this this side of the mountains has done really well. How are the high alpine lakes doing, and any in particular? Uh, yeah, I'd say, you know, if anyone hasn't, uh, I love, you know, our backyard. We have, you know, access to Walden, which is a series of mountain ranges, but you don't have to go far. Um, up at the top of the canyon, folks like to fish Joe Wright Reservoir for uh, the Arctic grayling. Uh, but in that area, there's still a, a ton of hikes and a ton of lakes that you can access. Um, some restricted from the fire closures, but... Like I said, I think those are starting to open up here in the next week. Um, Zimmerman is one that I'd point out uh, that it has a, a really healthy population of greenback uh, cutthroat trout, and that uh, that's that's really what I like chasing is cutthroat. You know. Well, uh, Zimmerman Reservoir actually there is a video on my YouTube channel from a television show I made years ago up at Zimmerman with that hike up. It's about I suppose it's about a three quarter of a mile walk up. It's Everyone says it's five miles up and a half mile back, but it's pretty pretty straight up. But that's a beautiful lake, and a really great chance you'll see a moose up there, too. You hardly can go up there without yeah. seeing a moose. I want to circle back to Joe Wright. If somebody's new to fishing with flies, and whether it's a fly fisherman who wants to get out in a float tube, or whether it's somebody fishing a fly in a bubble, or even just fly fishing from shore, um, this time of the year, Joe Wright can really, it's almost a slam dunk that you're going to catch some fish if you just make a couple of good fly selections. Yeah, I'd say keeping it smaller just because, you know, what's unique about Arctic grayling is, you know, the way their mouths open. So it's it's a little harder for them to get bigger flies in their mouth. But, uh, you know, what I would say is, you know, small little parachute atoms, terrestrials like ants and beetles, um, you know, all those smaller little bugs would be a great option. Um, and if you are going to go with the bigger bug up top, do uh, consider a, a dry dropper down below. Yeah, and it's if and it's a unique fish, and it's so much fun. And there's a lot of shore access. There isn't a lot of parking, but there's a lot of shore access. And while you're fishing, occasionally you will pick up a cutthroat there too. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's uh, plenty of fish in there that uh, you know seldom get caught because they ain't focus tends to lean towards the the graylings being a more unique species for Colorado. Well, we got a couple minutes left. I know there's another top-of-the-line game fish that you guys love to chase, and I'm right in line with you, and that's the common carp. And people are going to laugh, but in Europe, it's one of their top game fish. But I'll tell you what, catching carp on a fly rod, it can be phenomenal. So how's that going, and where do you normally fish for them? Uh, you know, we're lucky here in the northern portion of Colorado. We've got a ton of, you know, local ponds and reservoirs around town that do hold them. You know, and I love commons. Mirrors are very cool. And, you know, if you're really looking for that ultimate challenge, the grass carp is another one that, you know, you can check off your list. But as far as commons go, um, you know, we even have them in, you know, the river system as it gets lower and kind of east of town. Uh, that's a really fun way to kind of target things, whether it's waking up in early mornings and getting to the, the trout fishing before it gets too hot um, and then making the adjustments throughout the day to, you know, start targeting trout. But a lot of the times it's in our local ponds that you find, you know, really, really fun fishing. And right now we're seeing a ton of tailing carp. Um, fish are really active, feeding 
Um, and, you know, it's a very visual experience. And, you know, along with the, the heavy fight that comes with them, um, that visual aspect of it is really what captures me. It really is. It's it's just it's just incredible. Any flies you recommend for carp fishing? Uh, you know, we carry one here at the shop. It's called the Backstabber. Um, it's nothing too crazy. It's just a, a nice forged bonefish hook um, with a little bit of marabou um, and you know a little bit of dubbing stuff like that. Some hackle. Uh, it's really not too complicated, but man, does it work really well. Now we're going to um, transition after I let you go into the next segment to bass fishing in the summer, and we're going to approach it from conventional gear. But a lot of the ponds around Fort Collins and up and down the Front Range are full of bass. Do you ever go chase those with a fly rod? Oh yeah, that's what I grew up doing. I, uh, you know, kind of grew up in the the northern portion of Illinois, and bass are you know what got me into the sport. So it's always nice to circle back around and uh you know chase those things around town we've got tons of different reservoirs pretty much every every public pond you go to has bass in them it's just a matter of uh you know their size and their eagerness to eat what what kind of flies do you recommend for that uh you know right now i mean especially since we have the opportunity to and most people think of fly fishing as you know a surface water kind of experience uh, i like to throw poppers now, with the poppers, are you able to throw those on? And I, a lot of times I'm fishing around here with a three or four weight rod, sometimes a five. I've got rods all the way up to eight. Do you have to go to a little heavier rod just to push those poppers out? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I think you can be good with a five weight. Uh, you know, it's a, it's always recommended to have a six, seven, or even eight, depending on the, the size of the bass that you're fishing. Uh, but, you know, it's not say that you're limited and you can't go out and fish them if you have a four or five. Thomas, we're out of time. How do people find you at St. Pete's? Where are you located and how do they get a hold of you? Well, we've got two shops here in town. One's a little bit south of town off of 2008 East Harmony. Uh, the other shop is the Old Town Shop, which is located off of Remington Street. But we're, uh, you know, in the peak of season. Stop by, pick our brains. We'd love to point you in the right direction. There's no secrets here. And a website? Uh, stpeets.com. That's just stpeets.com. All right, my friend. We'll, we'll have you on again soon. Thanks for all that information. All righty, Terry. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You bet. That's Thomas from St. Peter's Fly Shop. We're going to take a time out, and the, the folks from Tightline Outdoors are going to join us, and we're going to talk summer bass fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.